investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Welcome back to Rewarding Property Decisions, Best of Summer Series, where we've been highlighting the three most popular episodes. Taking out the number one position as our most popular episode of all time is what to inspect at an open for inspection. It seems our listeners know how important it is to get this right. If you miss something important during the inspection process, it could become a very costly mistake. So enjoy the last best of episode and we'll be back in the next few weeks to share more knowledge about the market and property investing so you can make rewarding property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 35 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So we are starting to move through the end of, of winter and towards spring. Um, and as we do get closer to spring, listings are going to start to increase. Um, so for buyers, that obviously means an increase in opportunities, which is a great thing. Um, but it also increases the number of properties that you're going to need and want, obviously, to inspect. Um, so Saturdays, uh, as a result, can become quite jam-packed. Uh, you're trying to fit more, more than likely inspections in around catching up with friends, family, perhaps kids sport or even going to a footy match and it can become really tough. So what you really need to do is to be able to inspect properties very efficiently. Um, Now obviously there's all sorts of things to consider when you are inspecting a property and that can vary depending upon the type of property that you're inspecting. So perhaps depending upon whether it's a high rise apartment, whether you're looking at an older style art deco apartment or a townhouse villa unit uh, or even a terrace house or a fully detached dwelling. So what I thought I'd do is I'd go through um, the routines that I tend to follow on a Saturday when I'm inspecting properties, which can can be anywhere between 5 and 15 um, on that day, depending upon how many auctions I may need to attend as well. Um, So obviously in that instance, time is vital, but so is thoroughness. On behalf of our clients, we need to make sure that we're uh, covering off on all bases. So Everyone has a different process for inspecting properties um, and you need to develop a system that works best for you so that you are efficient, but you won't miss out on things that, that you need to be aware of. So if we start with apartments, for instance, and obviously when we talk apartments, I'm tend to, tending to look at more of the older style. But so for instance, Richard Wakeland, when I know from inspecting a lot of properties him, with him in my early days, um, he likes to look at the external side of the block first. So have a good walk around the outside, whereas I prefer um, with developing my own systems to inspect the apartment first um, so as then I know exactly where it is within the block um, and I can also ask the agent questions about where the car park is um, and any other storage facilities or things that may be coming with the sale so that when I do go outside I can go and inspect all those things at that time as well. Um, so let's start with that. So I, when I do arrive I'll, uh, I'll go up to the apartment and have a look through in, internally And one of the first things I'm looking at is the position of the apartment within that block. So um, how many sets of staircases do you need to go up to it uh, to be able to get inside? Um, What's the outlook like? Is there any adjoining uses that may be uh, causing some overlooking or um, impacting on perhaps the natural light, which is also another important component? Um, the floor plan and layout is a really important thing. I've, I will no doubt before inspecting the property have looked at the floor plan online. It's typically the first thing I look at when I do see a new property hit one of the real estate markets or I'm told about it from an agent. So the floor plan is really important. How does the layout work? What are the room sizes like? Uh, does it have direct entrance? Is there an entrance hall? Where does the balcony sit? The floor plan I, I find is a, is a vital element to any property, but particularly to an apartment. 
Um, then we're looking for things like cracking. Is it minor and just hairline cracks that you can expect in particularly solid brick buildings or is there something more sinister involved? Um, and has there been any alterations or changes made to the property that, that may need to be um, investigated further or have they been done quite well and, uh, and really complement the property? And on the flip side of that, are there any ways that we could add value? So things that you could do to the property going forward um, that are going to benefit the client that we may be uh, looking at that property for. Uh, what's the outlook like from each room? As I said before, um, positioning block is really important. Condition as well, it seems pretty obvious, but again, when we're looking at it on behalf of clients, different clients have different expectations and different requirements. Some would like to be able to add value, others want to have something that's ready to go. And then what's the quality of those renovations been like? And is it going to be an easy fix to rectify issues or is it going to be something that's going to uh, require something a little more significant? Uh, with ground floor apartments, uh, I tend to look at the lower um, floor, lower wall areas, um, perhaps particularly again with solid brick properties, whether there's any rising damp that could be a bit of an issue. So is there any signs of mould? Um, and one of the things that can come into that, and, and that's ventilation issues, but it's also not just visual, that's a sense of smell as well. And if, you can, if it's that musty smell um, and it is a property that uh, is being occupied, well then there may well be further issues that need to be looked into as well. So they're, they're some of the main things that in, when inspecting an apartment. And then I go outside the building to, um, to have a look at the outside and I'm focusing on the common areas then particularly. And that's obviously the stairwell. Um, how well is it being maintained? Are other occupants leaving things there? So uh, is that going to impact on any residents' livability there? Um, gardens, particularly again with older style properties, are they looked after? Are they being regularly maintained? Um, are they attractive? It's not a difficult thing but it can be a sign that perhaps an owner's corporation isn't uh, as active as you may want them to be. Um, looking at the paving, both paths and driveways, are they, um, uh, are they cracked or is there going to be some, some work that's required going forward or does it appear that they've been quite well looked after? And obviously that leads to the, uh, the car parking as well. So are we looking at um, undercover, open air garaging? What type of car park do we have? And how accessible is it? So is it something that's going to need a, a 10 point turn to get in and out of the car park? Or is it a pretty easy drive in, drive out? Um, and is it of a reasonable width too? Particularly for instance, some of the Art Deco, older style Art Deco apartments, they can have pretty tight car parks. So is that going to potentially cause an issue? Is it something that's like, that we can work with depending upon the quality of the apartment itself? Um, then also looking at the externals, the windows, fascia boards, spouting, have that, again, have they been made, well maintained? A lot of the things when you're looking at the common areas of a property, it is to tell you whether or not an owner's corporation is active. Um, and we're in a fairly fortunate position is that we've got a fairly extensive database to, to tell us how, how properties have been maintained over a long period of time. So that can then, we can then find out, or we can then uh, monitor, sorry, uh, how a, uh, an owner's corporation is looking after a block. Communal laundry areas are always a good sign um, too as to uh, how active people are, whether or not you've got owner occupiers in the building or tenants, because you tend to find uh, that they'll be better maintained if there's a, a, an even balance of both. Um, so these are all really important aspects to look at. So. Um, by looking at all these common areas, what that then enables you to do, you can make some notes and dot points of things that perhaps you're not so sure about, and then you can make contact with the owner's corporation and find out, ask some questions and get some clarity. Because just because they might be um, warning signs while you're there, doesn't mean that they may not be currently being addressed. And therefore, if you if you make the phone call, speak to the owner's corporation, you may well get some satisfactory answers um, by going to that next level, meaning that the property's now 
a good option, whereas others may have dismissed it because they haven't gone to that next level of, um, of researching just that little bit further. The next type of property, obviously, that we quite regularly inspect from an investment point of view is a villa unit. Um, there's a lot of similarities in terms of the inspection process with a, uh, a villa unit as there are with an apartment. Um, it's start again with the internal side of things is what I prefer to do. And again, I'm, I'm really focused on the floor plan. With villa units, you really would like to have an entrance hall with rooms leading off it to a degree. It, it needs to have the feel of almost a small house. Some of the, uh, the more entry-level villa units have direct access and perhaps that doesn't necessarily work quite as well. Natural light is also really important with villas and that can, um, it's not so much adjoining uses from neighbouring properties, it's probably more where the windows are and how what their aspect's like because sometimes they can be tucked in close to other units within the block and so privacy may well be an issue but also natural light as well. Um, again, cracking is also something to keep an eye on in brickwork but also in plaster work. Um, but also there can quite often be some really good opportunities to add value to villa units. So that's something that um, can be quite attractive to people putting in kitchens, opening up uh, rooms um, between kitchen meals areas into living rooms to create a bit more open space. Um, so we look for those sorts of things too. The, one of the key aspects and one of the key draw cards for people buying villa units is the fact that they do have um, outdoor space. And so it's really important to clarify whether or not those um, courtyards, outdoor areas are actually on title because they aren't always with villa units. So you can look at that and then perhaps either have a look at the title while you're at inspection. If it's not there, then request a copy or, or um, ask the agent that question because it is uh, an important aspect to that type of property, as is the garage. Um, so how accessible is it? Um, are you going to be able to get in and out fairly easily? Um, and is it big enough to uh, accommodate um, a car or your car if you are looking at it from an owner-occupier's perspective? On the external side of things, for, for a villa unit, we're looking obviously at the number of units that are actually within the complex um, and what's the maintenance like of the gardens, that sort of thing. Sometimes they can be, um, the, the, the common area gardens might be maintained by one person that's been there for a long time and loves doing it. So it's important to get clarity on that because if that person disappears, you may well then need to get a gardener and things in. Or are the gardens not being looked after and therefore it might be a sign again that you don't have necessarily as active an, an owner's corporation as you might like to have. Um, the other interesting thing to, to consider too, because they're slight, um, villa units are slightly different to apartments in that sometimes depending upon the structure of the owner's corporation, um, there may well be more responsibility on each individual owner to look after their own unit. And so you might walk around the, uh, the complex and see that one or two of the units within a block of five or six might um, not present perhaps quite as well as others. And that might well be that the, um, there is more responsibility on individual owners, which in actual fact can be a negative because it means that if they're not taking responsibility, then it can bring down the block. Whereas if it's expected that the uh, entire block does things at the same time, you tend to find that there's a bit more consistency as well. Um, Another important thing is to look at the type of title with villa units, um, stratum versus strata, and as I said, whether or not the, um, the, the courtyards are actually on title is, um, is really important too. That then takes us to, to looking at houses, um, which obviously we look at a fair few there too. Um, and we're obviously looking at a lot of period homes. Uh, so walking the boundary of each room particularly is something that I find when I get inside the house is really important. When I say that I walk around the external, around the walls of each room. And what that does for me is to, to start to tell whether or not there's any sloping in the floors, whether or not there's any soft spots or spongy areas. 
um, and, and whether or not that might lead to some uh, some restumping requirements, that sort of thing. So by walking that wall, you can tend to feel that. It's not uncommon in um, in terrace homes to have floors sloping away for, from chimneys, but it also might mean that you need to do a bit of work there. So walking the outside of the room can quite often tell you a lot about it. Um, in solid brick uh, period homes, looking at the lower walls um, can tell you a lot too, whether there's any paint flake or bubbling. Um, it may well be rising damp. It may well be from a leak coming from a shower or taps from a, a neighbouring room. So uh, you can investigate that a little bit further. With all properties, but I find it a bit more common with houses, um, particularly with uh, furnished houses, is to look at um, the furniture. Uh, and that might seem a little odd, but sometimes you can look at furniture and think, well, that's not a normal place for that to be, whether it's a, uh, a coffee table or a television or a robe, that sort of thing. It's a little bit unusual. So is that hiding something? So keeping an eye out on those sorts of things is really important. It might be that um, a cabinet's been put over the top of a dead spot in a floor or a, a, an area that's starting to drop. Um, it might be that it's uh, that there's been something, a couch put in front of a, um, a wall where there is paint peel and bubbling. So just keep an eye on those sorts of things because it, um, it might well tr be trying to cover up things that um, the owner doesn't necessarily want you to know about. Um, obviously, Room sizes is really important, particularly with bedrooms. And, and again, this is across the board, not just houses, but um, it's not unusual, particularly with styled um, properties where they've had a, a stylist come in. Bear in mind, particularly bedrooms, that beds in styled that, that the stylists use are not always a standard size. So it's not always a standard double or queen size bed. Um, they have got specific beds for um, different rooms. So it may well look at, like there's a double bed in a room and you think, oh, well, that'll fit it, no problems. Not always the case. It may not be the, the full size bed. So just bear that in mind. And if you feel you need to, make some measurements, those sorts of things as well. Another one that um, we, we quite regularly talk about, Brenton Potter always brings this up, and I think it's very valid, is different um, floorboards within a property as well. It can be a sign that it may well just mean that there's a property that's been extended um, and so they've used different floors, they weren't able to match them. But it, if it's in a, in the middle of a house or in an unusual spot, it could well be a sign that um, perhaps they've had to pull up floors and, and look under the house. It might well be for, for pests. It might well be that there's been um, some moisture under there which has rotted out boards or, or have needed to replace um, stumps, that sort of thing. So differing types of floorboards can be an issue. Um, I speak regularly with clients about a concrete slab in a terrace house front to back. Um, no problems with a concrete slab as part of an extension at the rear of a property, but if there's been a concrete slab put in the front bedrooms of a, uh, a terrace house, it's, it's not what they were designed for. And um, Peter Alexander, our building inspector, and may have even mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with a previous podcast, but it, if they're not done properly, that can really lead to um, significant issues around moisture getting into the brick walls and, and causing trouble there as well. Um, lounge rooms, are they functional? Are they big enough, particularly terrace houses, some of the older places, um, if they're not big enough, um, they may well, you may not, not fit a couch in, you may not be able to find a, TV, a wall to put a TV, that sort of thing on. So you need to be mindful of that. And then properties, that, particularly houses that have had extensions done to them, have they been done um, with, the, with the property in mind and being sympathetic to the house? Or have they added mezzanines and lowered ceiling heights on, on floors below that um, don't really go with the rest of the house? Having bedrooms added to the rear um, is not necessarily what's expected with a terrace home either. 
Um, and then having bathrooms uh, leading directly off kitchens is not not favourable either. So these are the sorts of things that we're looking for and, and can, uh, can be off-putting. Um, surrounding uses is always something to be mindful of. Um, it's never a controllable thing, but it's certainly something to investigate further where possible. Obviously, if you've got period homes next door, you're far less likely, particularly if there's heritage overlays and things around. But if you're adjoining, say, another block of apartments or you're adjoining commercial or industrial, then there is a risk of alternate uses being constructed there. And it's just something that you need to be um, considerate of. Um, and then finally, and it, well, it's not, not as though it's last, it's certainly last but not least, but um, the consistency of a streetscape is really important too, particularly with homes. So have a good walk up and down the street and, and have a good idea of, of what the surrounding development is and, um, and whether or not that's the expectation for the suburb that you're looking in. So for instance, some suburbs are having a, a variety of, of styles in the street is to be expected, whereas others will will want to have a consistency of style and, and similar type properties up and down. So just be mindful of that as well. Okay, so for today's case study, um, it was a property that I uh, helped some clients purchase a number of years ago in the inner eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Uh, this was a little terrace house and it was in a, a very good consistent street and it had been actually really nicely renovated throughout with a great floor plan um, that worked really well. I noted at the in inspection though that the next door property was vacant um, and in fairly modest condition. So I thought I'd just do a bit more research when I got back to the office. So I called the council afterwards and, um, and found out that the property had had plans um, to be renovated and extended, um, which I, I can't remember exactly whether they'd been approved or not, but I did manage to get copies of those plans. Um, and we found out that there was going to be a first floor extension added as well as a, an extension out the back, demolishing part of the house and, and redoing things. Um, but it was, it was going to be very well done. Um, and when looking at the floor plan, could see that there was going to be no um, overlooking or balconies looking directly into our yard. So that was a positive as well. Um, it was certainly going to improve the quality of the streetscape. Um, and it's, it really needs to be understood that it's what's expected and needs to be expected in that, that inner city type location. Um, so I explained all of this to my investor client that was looking at the property. Uh, they were very comfortable with that. Um, so we went ahead and they were fully informed, um, knowing that there would likely be works and so that would potentially impact on um, any renter of the property in the short to medium term, but certainly something that long term wouldn't impact on the value of the property. So we went ahead uh, and were successful purchasing the property, um, but the best part was that there was no surprises. They, they were able to, to move ahead and um, a great result uh, in the end and it's certainly performed well since. They've got good quality tenants and they've now got a really good quality property next door to them as well. So that's about it for today's episode. Thanks very much again for joining me. Um, I hope you found it valuable. And as always, please feel free to share the podcast with family and friends, any colleagues and anyone else that may have interest in property. If you'd like any further information, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. And as always, we wish you all the best with your property decisions.